Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. If you're a leader of a church that's looking to grow, and especially to reach more men, you'll be fascinated by today's guest. I welcome back Luke Havard. Luke coaches some of the very top leaders, those in business, those in public service, billionaires, celebrities and those starting out. He was recently on the show talking about his work as a coach and happened to mention in passing that the church he's part of in Hereford has been seeing both significant growth and a large number of men come to faith. He's part of Freedom Church in Hereford, which is part of a network of churches, as well as Hereford there are churches in Worcester, Swansea and Cardiff in the UK and Uganda and Cambodia overseas and more uh, on the way. So welcome back, uh, Luke, to the Leadership File. Thanks, Andy. Uh, when you were last on the show, you, you spoke of your coaching work with leaders. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's great to look with you at an example of a, a leadership functioning well and seeing growth. Perhaps you could start by reminding us of your amazing journey to faith and how you came to be part of the church in Hereford. OK, Andy, yeah, I'll try and keep it brief because I know the uh, time is of the essence. So, uh, yeah, it's been nearly 10 years now that I've uh, become a full-on Christian. Um, Before that, I grew up in a Christian family, but I think like a lot of young people, when there's not really that fire, that passion that you see, you kind of look for it elsewhere. Um, So probably from my early sort of teens, I started to kind of fall away because in truth, I never saw any real congruence to the message I was hearing. So what I mean by that is I saw lots of people saying, you know, they're, they're Christians, but I just didn't see any passion or any any fire in them. And I saw a lot of apathy and I saw a lot of um, hypocrisy, really. I saw people saying one thing on a Sunday and doing something else on a Friday night. Uh, and so I just didn't want to be, have any part of it. And I, I wanted, to, I was looking really for real men to kind of follow, you know, as role models. And I never really found any. Um, so probably, yeah, by the time I was 15, I was in a lot of trouble in school. I was just really disaffected. Again, didn't find my place there. Felt like I didn't fit in the box there trying to squeeze me in. So I got kicked out of school. Just barely made it into college where I found drugs and alcohol. And um, yeah, I was still just desperately looking for an identity and role model. So I ended up kind of knocking around with the wrong crowds, really went down um, deep into the world of drugs. Um, Then kind of stumbled into the fringes of football violence and was involved in that kind of gang culture, if you like. But um, for me, it was, I never really fit in any group. I was kind of looking for who am I? What's my purpose in life? Who am I supposed to be? And um, I think it was 2005, ended up having to kind of run away uh, to Australia, really, just to get away from the lifestyle I was embroiled in. And uh, that in that time, I was uh, living in a red light district in Sydney, and I had an encounter with God. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, it's hard to explain. It wasn't like an audible voice, but it was like a voice with inside me um, kind of telling me, hey, um, you know, you can you can live a better life. It doesn't have to be this way. And at that point, I was, I was com- ready to commit suicide, really. And so it came just in the nick of time, literally. And uh, I called my mother from uh, Australia, where she was in the UK, and said, look, here's what I was about to do. And she obviously said, don't do it. And um, said, hey, there's this great church called Hillsong in Sydney. So I uh, kind of just bounced off the walls down to the church as I was still quite high and drunk. 
and uh, they kind of welcomed me in with open arms and I, I gave my life that day and I, I never looked back I never touched drugs in you know 10 years and uh, I didn't drink for four years straight and you know I, I had this roller coaster encounter with God and um, kind of went on a journey of, of self-discovery and, and started having mentors within the church uh, and I, I found some real men's men who, who were kind of like they weren't um, these plastic men I'd seen in my past where they say one thing and do another and couldn't stand up to what they, they said they believed in but these men who were like you know they were cool and they were down to earth and they were you know they were out there in the world making a difference and had influence but they were really solid men of God and so I, I kind of followed this path of, of transformation and I wanted to help other people who'd been through what I'd been through. So I started mentoring drug addicts and alcoholics and um, it kind of spiraled from there to, get, you know, being really good at what I did and people asked me if I could do the same for them in their life, uh, whether they be a professional or what have you. Um, and it, to the present day where now, I, I like you mentioned, I, I've worked with some pretty amazing people and uh, yeah, I, I kind of really love what I do. That's terrific. How did you come to go back to Hereford? Was it um, obviously you flew back from Australia at some point? Yeah, well, it's uh, the basic story is this: I uh, met a girl in Australia. She is from South America, but lives in Germany. That's another story in itself. And uh, yeah, so it was a bit closer to um, Germany from England than it was from Australia. So I, I went back, and I had to renew my visa as it happened. I was going to renew my visa. I was going to get the heck out of uh, Hereford and. Uh, because I'd kind of grown up there. It wasn't really anything that I uh, wanted to stay for. And um, an old mentor of mine said, look, you've got to come along to this church. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see what it's about. Came along and just was blown away. It was really raw. It was really kind of grippy. It was just hardly any people there, like 70 people, I think, maybe less. And But the, all these people were just so passionate and on fire. And it was so genuine and authentic and real. And I, I thought, well, I've got to renew this visa thing. And I've got to save a bit of cash. I might as well stay here for a bit. And the pastor kind of said to me, hey, um, you know, you seem like kind of a tough guy and kind of like you're strong and you're confident, but you're a runner and you've been running in life. And he called me out on who I really was. And I was kind of a bit freaked out by this. I um, didn't like the fact that he was challenging me, but I decided to, um, you know, kind of listen to what he was saying. And he said, I dare you to stay for a year and become grounded. And uh, at the time, I'd said I was going to propose to my now wife. And um, he said, well, why don't you both stay? You need some solid... Um, kind of grounding and mentorship and you need some people you need some covering basically in your first year of marriage you should stick around I think it would be really good for you to kind of you know put some roots in and actually you know grow and so I took him up on his offer and I just haven't left actually <laughs> so that's the story really well, that's wonderful wonderful well it's it's great to hear your story and uh, very very exciting um, obviously the church has seen growth um, are there any particular approaches or or, or changes that might be beyond behind the growth well i've seen almost everything done in this church you know i think for when i like i said when i grew up in church i just saw kind of really i, I don't mean to be critical but the, the reality is people just did you know the basics i guess they did what 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 was um they thought was appropriate what they saw other people doing what i've seen in our church is just total innovation like they're doing things that no one has done before that at least i've never seen or heard of or they'll see what other people are doing and they'll go, well, how can we go one further? How can we do one better? How can we kind of make it more relevant, more um, exciting, more modern, more fresh, more innovative? And so they've tried everything from like, you know, you can imagine any, any kind of outreach that there is possible. Um, but I think for us, it's being creative. So we've got like an, a just phenomenal creative team. I've got the, in my business, I get to travel and meet 
all sorts of people. I've worked with a film director, and I can tell you what, our creative team is better. Like, hands down. Like, we haven't got the, the world's best equipment, we've got some good equipment, um, but they do, it's almost like what they've got, they make, you know, full use of. And they're so creative and so um, thinking outside the box, and they're looking at what the best of the best are doing in the media world and saying, how can we do better than that? Because if we're saying we're, we're the leaders in this world as Christians, you know, we should be really kind of leading the way and we should kind of do whatever it takes to kind of, um, you know, share this message in the most relevant, exciting, um, you know, professional way possible. And that's a key word, I think, there, excellence and professionalism. Um, and I, something I never saw in the church before, if I'm honest. I saw, you know, the, the cheapest tea and coffee and biscuits um, put out for people because we don't want to, you know, break the bank because that's not very, you know, holy, is it? Um, actually, though, if God's, if we're God's children and God's people, surely we should put on the best for his people. Surely we should try to really give them the, the VIP experience because they're worth it. And so that's something I saw, and I've never seen that before, uh, except for in Hillsong, actually. Um, so I think that's really a catalyst for it. It was also a catalyst to say, hey, again, in anything we do, let's not play at it. Because I think most people in life, and I say this in my business, um, you know, most people play at stuff in life. They never really truly commit to it. They never want to be masters. They never want to give everything. So if we're going to really reach people and show them that, you know, our God is real and that he loves them, then let's not stop at anything to make that happen. That's right. That's fantastic. And presumably you have a, a kind of weekly Sunday service. Is that the, the major gathering point? Yes, they, we have the Sunday service, but that's not necessarily where... That's just for, for new people, That really. That's right. for people who wouldn't necessarily... We, we do everything for the, the visitors. You know, right. and that's something again. I think it's different for most churches. Most churches, Sunday is where it happens. Well, for us, that's something we're a part of for other people. Um, so our message, everything is like, how will it look like for someone who doesn't know Jesus? That's what we're, we're trying to do. So we kind of everything is tailored to say, hey, how can we make them feel most at home, but also most like just wowed by it? Like, let's make this an experience because. Uh, you know, if you look at creation, if you look at what all that Jesus did, it, it wasn't something boring. You weren't able to fall asleep during when Jesus was talking or doing a miracle. It was like wow factor. And we believe that's still relevant today. We believe that's still true. So why not kind of really invest to make this something that you'll never forget? Whether you like it or not, whether you're interested or not, you're never going to forget an experience at our church because you're going to say, wow, I, I've met some people who are truly passionate and they really believe what they say. They don't, they're not just, you know, spouting off something from an old book. They really live this stuff. So um, that's our Sunday service, and that's for new people. Then for, for you know, members, we've got our kind of weekly meetings as well. Um, we call them catalyst groups, and it's really like, how do you create a catalyst growth? That's the kind of emphasis on it. And then we have other men's and women's meetings at various other times as well during, you know, the month. Uh, and then other meetings, uh, you know, to go even deeper, um, where it's like really not for visitors at all. It's just for Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined, joined this week by Luke Hubbard. We're talking about uh, Freedom Church Hereford and particularly uh, the men's ministry there. We'll be back just after this. So, Luke, um, we looked at before the break uh, your, your wonderful coming to faith uh, and the way that you got involved in the church. Looking particularly now at uh, the outreach to men and the, the kind of things that, that you think the church does that... Uh, are particularly attractive um yeah so i think 
for us, there's it's it's coming back to the core of like who we are as men. Um, and if you look, you know, obviously there's not one stereotype of men, but I think there's a core difference, obviously, between men and women. And um, you know, I think when we look at masculinity, there's there's something typically that I saw grew up, growing up in church, and that I think you'll probably see across churches around the country. It's this kind of almost closed attitude towards church. Um, and men typically they're not they're not open to it, and they kind of have you have to communicate with them in a different way, and you have to really reach them where they're at. Um, and for us, I think most people are there going, let's wait, and they'll they'll just show up to church, and you know obviously we'll reach them when they get here, and that rarely happens. Uh, and if you do get have that happen, usually you're not prepared for them, so they disengage immediately and they never come back. So and that's what we I think I saw growing up, and that's what a lot of people see. However, what we've done is say, yeah, what is relevant to men right now? What is it that men really want? Um, you know, and how do men communicate? And for me, for me personally, and for many of the guys in our church, we didn't come from this kind of uh, place where we were in church and, and really settled. And, and, you know, if we did come from a church background, we never saw strong uh, male role models. So what we've done is really said, like, you know, how, how do men act? And, and for us, you know, men like to, you know, watch rugby and like to go and do stuff that men do. And we've also got a lot of SAS guys in our church, which is unheard of usually in the Christian community, because these are like some of the toughest guys you could meet, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And they're, they're absolutely tough nuts to crack. But we've really said, you know, there's something about what are men like? They want to be raw. They want to they hear it as it is. They want you not to fluff things up or try and make it a bit more digestible for them they want you to you know really speak directly to them and i think when you say something with all honesty and authenticity and you say it with love and you show that you really care and you show that there's more for them and you really ask men and invite them to be bold and honest about where they're at something radical happens and you actually get the truth and you know for like even um this last week i was in a meeting and we had this thing called dangerous honesty and i wasn't where i should be and that's me being honest right now. I could tell you that I'm all polished and perfect and I'm a good little Christian guy now. But that's not the case. I'm still on a journey, as most people are. And I was in, not in the best of places because, you know, sometimes having a busy life, having a busy business that's international, I, I sometimes take my eyes off the ball. And, and you need um, to be accountable to people. And there's got to be a, a, an openness. And that doesn't come easily. And very few men will actually be open to doing that. But you need to educate men and educate people why that you need that. And you need to show them that, hey, it's not about condemnation. It's not about judgment. It's about really, it's about growth. And it's about having your best interests at heart. And it's about saying, hey, you, you can be a leader. You could change this nation. And like, do you really believe that? You could change your, your company. You could change where you work. You could have the best family possible. I mean, in a country where I think the divorce rate is close to 50%, that's, that's unacceptable. And I think for us, it's like, how do we change that? Well, if we live in a world of silence where we don't talk about things we're going through, well, that won't change, and it will continue to get worse. Um, but if we're able to have um, you know, a relationship of transparency and honesty and, and rawness and, and you know, um, forgiveness and healing, then things, anything is possible. And so that's what we've created, this culture, and it's about culture for us. It's about saying, hey, um, nothing is nothing is off limits. We can talk about anything when we're in our groups, but anything we do talk about is completely confidential and private. So there's a, there's an element of trust, but there's also an element of hey, if you give me permission, then we're going to go there. And if it's raw and it's not comfortable, we're going to keep probing until we until we see transformation in your life. 
um, through the power of Jesus. But ultimately, you we have to be willing to let um, people go there, and obviously, we've got to be willing. To go there. Yeah, that's that's terrific to hear. I mean, do you have any? Uh, particular um, gathering points for men. So is it you know men's men's breakfast is the classic kind of uh, you know Saturday morning breakfast <laughs> of some sort. Uh, I mean you know do you, do you have other points, other things that you do that you know do you have rugby on Sky or something that um, you know attracts men initially and then you 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 kind of drag them in that way. <laughs> well yeah, this is a funny one. So we've kind of got a very countercultural thing. We do have. Um, like corporate men's meetings but for us here's the thing what I saw growing up again I saw this and I've seen my dad do this and I've seen very loads of men do this and I'm not saying there's anything particularly wrong with this but you've got to look for fruit in everything and when everybody says oh yeah but this is really great I'm like yeah great show me the fruit mm. so I grew up around men's breakfasts saw very little fruit yeah I didn't see the, the, the transformation happening just saw lots of men go for bacon and eggs yeah. and you know I think I saw that when I first joined church and it was great but there's you know you people will talk about what they want to talk about they'll talk about motorbikes or whatever interest they have they'll talk about the football well let's talk about some of them really matters yeah because that's great but that's not gonna change the world no. um so we kind of said hey well we could keep doing that and kind of the elephant in the room could be well things aren't really changing or we could just address that head on and go look this the way things have been done there isn't very much fruit with it, as far as we've seen in our churches at least um and if other people want to agree with that that's great and so we said, what, what is the change? What does matter? Yeah, let's, let's socialize, let's hang out, let's do stuff that's really interesting and cool for men to do, but let's get real. Let's say, hey, let's not make this about uh, a breakfast or a, a movie night or whatever or watching sports together. Let's make this, if we're going to come and talk about God and, and, and challenge and grow, let's do that, you know? Let's make that the priority. And if we do have any kind of social time, let's make that, you know, the, the icing on the cake. Let's not make that the cake. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and I think almost they've, in men's culture, they've made the, uh, the kind of God time and, you know, prayer and worship, they've made that the cherry on the cake. <laughs> and they've tried to kind of fit it in somewhere where, where men feel comfortable. We don't want to walk on the boat, obviously. We don't want to kind of make anyone feel a little bit uneasy because it wouldn't be good and they might not come back. But you know what? If you plant the seeds early and you say up front here's something that I've learned and I do this in my business as well you look at transparency say hey here's what this is about we believe that you know Jesus came to make us warriors to make us leaders uh, and we're, we're going to act this out in our lives well certain people won't get it and they won't like it well that's fine when they're ready they can come they're always welcome but what we do to reach men is we just do it uh, as you know we become friends we, we hang out together individually we go and play pool or whatever it is that you know they want to do. You go to the gym with them and you build relationships. But when we meet together, that's to meet to kind of you know do business if you like. That's uh, that sounds terrific, uh, Luke. That's uh, that's that's impressive. And uh, I mean, basically, you've you, you know you would know this as a coach. You you're asking the the, the bigger questions, the strategic questions. You know that yeah. that let's ask the question: Is this this is producing? And like you said, show me the fruit. Uh, and and my suspicion is that uh, many churches are doing the right, doing what they think are the right things, but but aren't prepared to ask the tough ones. Yeah, uh, and you know, I really I say this from a place of love and care because people can say, "Oh, that's so critical, negative." You know, no, it's not. It's being real. Mm. You know, the first thing you know, I, being in the whole um, coaching and consultant world, there's so many people trying to fluff it up. There's so much rubbish out there, and uh, you know, let's get real. If something's bad, let's say it's bad, and let's not make it worse than it is. 
let's say at least you're doing something, but hey, what's the, let's measure what you're doing. Is there any fruit? Is there any result? Not much? Right, well, maybe you need to change that because if you always do what you've always done, you're going to continue to get what you've always got. Mm. If there are not men going into your church and populating it, and they're not, they're not getting saved and things aren't changing and their marriage and their kids and everything is not growing, well, there's something not working there. Um, and, you know, like I said, for me, myself, I, it's, it hurts, man. And especially as I'm in a position of doing this myself. But if I, you know, the other day, there were some things that were highlighted, they're not good. And I need to change them. And I need to be honest about it. Well, but that is good in the end, because at least I can have it out in the open. And I, I think there's something about, hey, if we can be that raw and that honest when things aren't good, and we can just identify and, and call it uh, call a spade a spade, well, we can move from that position. We can go forward from that. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what we've we've done. It's it's about really and for other churches, I really believe it's saying, look, let's take stock of what's happening. You know, three years ago we were at a hundred and seventy ish members. Now we're close to a thousand. Wow. How do you have that kind of growth in three years? Well, you've got to measure what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you've got to look back and say what worked, what is absolute just useless behaviour that we're doing or useless activity. Some of it, let's be honest now, some people are going to go, useless, that's a bit of a harsh word. No, some things we do don't produce anything. And we kid ourselves for long enough, and actually we just need to look at the results. And you know why people do that? Because they like to do it. People do things they feel comfortable doing or like to do. Well, you know, that's a whole other kind of thing to look at. But doing what feels comfortable doesn't, you know, doesn't make results. I think often doing the, the thing that stretches you and is uncomfortable and and creates a level of discomfort, that's what produces growth. And so, um, you know, that's what I would say to other church leaders, take hard stock at what you're doing. Look at everything and say, well, we did that for the last six months. Has anything changed? Has anything grown? Has people's lives changed? No? Well, maybe you need to change that then. Maybe you need to look at something different. Uh, and I think really it's it's kind of having these, these really tough messages with people. It's but it's presented in a way where, you know, we've had to do this, where we talk really tough and we say, hey, look, this is life and death, you know. We, if we believe that the gospel is true, then people, this is about people going to heaven and hell. Oh, don't talk about that, because that's a bit out there. Well, that's reality. That's what it says in the Bible, at least. If we, we say we, we believe this, this word, then that's what it says. And so we say, okay, but, you know, this is about love, first and foremost. This is about love. You know, we're not going to change the world by preaching about, you know, hell screaming about hell of the rooftop. So we've got a person almost talk about Jesus' love for people. Because that's what makes the difference. That's what people are drawn to. Because they feel that love in their life then they're they're kind of fascinated. Like, why are you so happy? Why are you so, you know, excited about life? And and it's because of that love and it's because of that um grace that we have. And then we when we're able to talk about that, then the other stuff comes naturally, you know. Luke, it's been terrific to to chat with you. It's um you know, I'm excited by this phrase, dangerous honesty. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and that's maybe something that, uh, you know, our leadership groups, groupings in our churches need to need to know more. But particularly as we uh, as we get to seek to, to reach uh, men. So thank you so much for all you've shared. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Uh, you've been listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Luke Havard. Uh, Luke is a, a coach. Uh, remind us of your uh, website address, Luke, in case people want to get in touch. Um, yeah, my address is lukehavard.com, so www.lukehavard.com, and I actually have some resources on there if, if um, there's people listening and they struggle with their ability to communicate with power and 
authenticity, then there's some stuff they'll be able to find on there that will really be able to help them. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, and uh, thank you, um, you know, for, for all you've shared, as I say. Um, do uh, go to Premier's own website, www.premier.org.uk, and you can listen to archive uh, of the show, uh, including this one in, in due course. Um, so I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. Thank you.